Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. During our series titled Lifelong Learners, we're going to talk about different ways to learn and grow, not just in reading, writing, and arithmetic, but also from Jesus, Scripture, and community. Have you ever wondered what you can learn from books that are thousands of years old? What does Scripture have to say that matters to us today? In this Message of the Week from September 19th, Pastor Abigail Ozan shares from Psalm 119 and explores what Scripture can teach us still today. Here is the first Church Message of the Week. Well, good morning. It is always a joy to be here and share together in worship. And also, I'm excited to get to share one of my favorite things to talk about, which is scripture. We've been talking uh, about a series that we've been doing about the teachers that we have. And last week, we talked about Jesus as our teacher. And this week, we're going to talk about scripture as a teacher. And then next week, we will get to community as teacher. And all of these are different ways that we can learn about God and about the faith. When Sandy talks about having the scripture in your heart, or sometimes I think of having it written on your heart, or as uh, the passage in Deuteronomy says, we're supposed to bind it to our foreheads and the backs of our hands. And I always kind of think of it as like, even if you don't literally do that, that you have it that close to you, that perhaps when you're doing something, some passage will come back to you and you will remember it just when you need it. When I was in third grade, just like we still do, I got my Bible at uh, church in September, and that year we were studying um, or learning about poems and memorizing in my classroom at school, and so I was really into it. I actually really love poetry and found it fun to memorize, and so I decided, well, I'm going to memorize some Bible passages. So I started with something that may be very familiar to you, which is Psalm 23, and worked on memorizing that. And it's something that I can still recite and know. And there are times when I turn to it or when it comes to me, when I am in need of the strength that it gives, of the encouragement and comfort that it provides. And then there are times when I, it comes to me or I use it because I am with others who are in need of it such as earlier this week when I did a graveside service for Myrna Eggert with her family members. The psalm that we're going to look at this morning, in it the psalmist is talking about how important it is to know the scriptures and to follow the guidance of the scriptures. The word ordinance is used, but that's also kind of like city ordinances of like guidelines for how you're supposed to do things in your home. It's the same thing, right? Scripture gives us guidance for our lives. And so hopefully like the psalmist, we can give praise to God for this. 
This is Psalm 119. It's a very long psalm, and we're only going to look at part of it. You're welcome to read the whole of it. But we'll look at verses 9 through 16 and 169 through 176. And so you may want to have a look at this in your pew Bible, if you wish, or you may want to check it out when you get home. How can young people keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Do not let me stray from your commandments. I treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the ordinances of your mouth. I delight in the way of your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. My lips will pour forth praise because you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your promise, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let me live that I may praise you, and let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek out your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Thanks be to God for the gift of Scripture. And this passage is indeed giving thanks to God for the gift of Scripture and for the guidance that it provides. I was noticing again just how many words it uses to talk about God's law or God's commandments or direction. So I said ordinances, but there's also statutes and commandments uh, and law, but they're all talking about the same thing, God's direction and guidance. When I was thinking about teachers this week, I was thinking a little bit about my own experience going to school as a student. Now, did any of you have a really good teacher when you were in school? Not just one who you liked, but one who did a wonderful job of teaching you their subject? One of these teachers that I had was Mr. Ski. He was a high school math teacher, and I had him a couple of times, once for a semester of Algebra two, and once for Calculus. Now, Mr. Ski was a big guy, well over six feet, but also just well-built, strong, and rather intimidating. People didn't step out of line in his classroom. They followed his rules, and um, he didn't need to do more than kind of look at folks to get them to move back in line. But he was not as scary as he actually seemed. He was really a very compassionate man. And later, 
When I was teaching math myself, I ended up teaching middle school math and science at a Catholic school in North Minneapolis for a couple of years. And um, I had more background in teaching science, not so much in math. In fact, calculus in high school was the last math class I took other than a course in statistics in college. And I found myself often falling back on things that he had said in class. And it surprised me how much I had been influenced by him. I long have wanted to tell him what an impact he had on me. And recently on my graduation class's Facebook page, there was somebody else who was saying the same thing. Hey, does anybody know his email address or where he's at now? Because they wanted to thank him and tell him what an impact he had had. Now, the Bible is not a teacher quite like our classroom teachers. But the Bible is truly a good teacher and has many important lessons for us. And these lessons can be valuable both when we look at them and later when we come back to them. In Psalm 119, this is an example of someone who's giving thanks for the lessons of Scripture, being thankful for all of its teachings and guidance, and also acknowledging the sacred nature of Scripture, that it's not just a good teacher, but that we believe it is inspired by God. It is a teaching of God's ways. So, Obviously, the Bible is not like a textbook. You don't read it like you read a textbook, and it is definitely uh, laid out differently. But if a math textbook teaches us mathematics, what does the Bible teach? What can we learn from this book? I think to me, Scripture maybe first and foremost can seem like a history book especially if you start in Genesis, because you've got all those stories of the people, and then you get into Exodus and more stories, and then you get really bogged down in uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and you skip ahead to Kings, right? Or Samuel, I mean, and then Kings, and then you get into some more interesting stories again, right? Or maybe you love to read Leviticus, I don't know. (laughs) But this... uh, book covers the first millennia, that's a thousand years and a half, so 1,500 years, before Jesus, through the first generation of the followers of the way, of the followers of Jesus. And you might say it goes back even further than that, but we don't have quite a sense of the time period on some of the passages and where they come from. The Bible is a book, actually a collection of books, that was written long ago in another part of the world, in a variety of different cultures that are also not only different from themselves, but different from us today. Some of those cultures include Mesopotamian, Canaanite, Hittite, Egyptian, Assyrian, Babylonian, Greek, and Roman. Not cultures that we always know a lot about. 
It uses names and words and professions and concepts that we're not familiar with. What can it have to say to us now today? Now, these differences of culture and language, of historical setting and location, do all matter. And they're one of the things that makes scripture a bit more challenging for us to understand today. Perhaps you've been reading a passage and you get through it and you think, what does that even mean? Or maybe you're thinking, who cares who begat whom? You're not alone in these thoughts. Many people have felt that. But I would also say that just as many of us have found challenge in understanding scripture, we also have favorite passages of scripture that speak to us, or favorite Bible stories, stories that we love to read and tell, stories like David and Goliath, or Daniel in the lion's den, or Paul and Silas in prison. Maybe you love the story of Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Maybe it's all those stories that Jesus told, the parables or the different things that he did with healing and teaching around the countryside. Perhaps you, like me, love the story of Jonah, a very reluctant prophet. One of the things I learned as I read the story more straight through, and by the way, if you ever want to start reading the Bible, Jonah is not a bad place to start. It's a little more accessible than some others. And it has a lot of humor in it. It's deliberate hyperbole, deliberately exaggerating stuff to make a really important point and tell an important truth about God and who God is. And then maybe some of you love the story of Noah's Ark and that rainbow promise that's so central to that story. So who here has memorized a scripture that you like? Go ahead and raise your hand if you've memorized one you like. Most of you have. Sometimes you maybe have memorized a scripture and you don't even realize it because many of our songs that we sing are taken straight from scripture. We'll be singing the song, Thy Word, right after this. It's taken straight from scripture, most of the words of it. Just as one example. There are lots of parts of the Bible that do speak to us and that do teach us. There's another song that we, I think, know pretty well that reminds us one of the lessons that's at the heart of scripture. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. This is an important message that is throughout Scripture. The love of God for God's people is a main theme. Some people have even described the Bible as a love letter from God. Now, I'm not sure I would go there quite, But I do think that it teaches us about who we are and who God is, and it describes the relationship between us and God.
In fact, these are actually three great questions to ask of Scripture. It's a good way to understand Scripture a little bit better. And I, I didn't make this up. I first ran into it when I was in seminary. But first, to ask that question, what does a scripture tell us about God? Because if we have a scripture that's long enough, we can ask all three of these questions. Now, if you just take one verse, it might not be long enough to answer all those questions. But if you take a section like we did today, we can ask each of these questions, and it helps us to understand scripture and its meaning. So today's scripture, if you look in verses 12 and 171, tells us that God is the Lord and the giver of the law and the teacher of the way to live. Blessed are you, O Lord, for you teach me your statutes. God is Lord and teacher. And my lips will pour forth praise because you teach me your statutes more of that same lesson. Or what does scripture say about God, us? In verse 176, we are reminded, I have gone astray like sheep, seek out your servant. That's the person's talking about themselves. For I do not forget your commandments. We are God's servants and belong to God. And what relationship do we have with God and God with us? Well, in the end, it talks about how I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. God is our Savior. Let me live that I may praise you and let your ordinances help me. And God is our teacher, and so we should give thanks to God for these things. Because we know that God can grant us salvation and help. All of these are part of the lesson of this scripture. There's another way that we think about the importance of scripture to us in guiding us in our lives. As Methodists, we have this thing called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. It has four parts to it, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience, or experience and reason. This is just one image to show this quadrilateral. This one's a nice little trapezoid. And I chose this one because it made sense today since we're talking about scripture as the base of what we use for understanding. And in fact, tradition, experience, and reason can all help us to understand scripture. Each one of these is a way that we can discover the heart of our faith. In scripture, we are able to look at the Bible and find that it tells us something. With tradition, we look to the church and the history of Christianity for guidance about the way to do things. There's a reason why things have been done a certain way or maybe interpreted a certain way over the years, and that can provide wisdom for us. 
or reason, using our own knowledge and intellect. We don't park our brains at the door. We use them to understand our faith and to interpret how we are to live. And of course, experience is also important because we always filter what we see and hear and know through what we have experienced in our lives. One of the ways that I was taught to use the quadrilateral is in answering a challenging question of faith. What do you do in this situation? And so you might have a controversial topic or some sort of question that you're trying to find an answer to. And we can use the quadrilateral to gain insight, to remember that, yes, we can look at it through scripture, but we can also understand that better when we bring in our tradition and reason and experience. So maybe you're trying to decide about a direction to go as a church or how to answer some challenging ethical question. And we can use each of these parts to help find an answer and guidance. Because there's many ways that scripture teaches us how to live virtuous and faithful lives. For example, we're pretty familiar with the Ten Commandments, right? We're to love God and to worship God alone and to keep the Sabbath holy and to honor our parents, to not steal or kill, and it goes on. And we do use these as guides in our lives. Or there's what the Jewish people call the Shema, from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And it goes on from there. Or the story of the Good Samaritan. How often have we thought of this as a guide for our lives? Many love this story from Luke chapter 10, and it certainly has given rise to a whole number of organizations that help care for other people. Or there's the great commandment in Matthew where Jesus is answering that question, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, Quoting back from the scriptures, love the Lord your God with all your soul, heart and soul and mind and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's from Leviticus. These are all things that we use to guide us in our lives. Ways that we, and we may not even consciously think about, hey, I'm using scripture to guide me in doing this. But we do. We know what is ethical, what is right. Now, I know this dates me a little bit, but when I was a teenager in a youth group, there was this really in thing with WWJD. What would Jesus do? When I was looking up images online, what I found were dozens and dozens of images of bracelets that said that. And maybe some of you had one of those bracelets, or you remember seeing people with them. 
It was really in for a while to ask that question, what would Jesus do? And it was way overused and whatever, but it's actually a pretty good question because it does ask us to look at the stories of Jesus' actions and teachings for guidance. Do I forgive my neighbor who cut down this old, beautiful old tree in my yard because the branches were going over into his yard and dropping things in his yard and he didn't like it? What would Jesus do? Or how do I deal with the bullying I see in school or in the workplace or in some social organization? What would Jesus do? Or what if I discover that someone at work is embezzling? What would Jesus do? Now, I think that we can find some wisdom and some help in Jesus' life to answer some of these questions. He did talk about forgiveness, right? And he talked about what to do about bullies, even if he didn't use that word, about how to treat one another and to stand up for those who were being oppressed. But this does not quite work for every question that you have, such as what to wear on a given day or whether to accept a job offer. What do I wear today? What would Jesus do? Just doesn't quite make sense. Scriptures are not a magic eight ball. That was a a toy for a time where if you shook it and flipped it over, there was a little die in it that had a um, different answers on it. And so it might give you an answer like, signs point to yes, or ask me later, or maybe, or no. Scripture isn't like that, and it doesn't have all the answers for our life right now in the 21st century. We faced questions and challenges that the people that we were, um, that were writing about these stories and experiences in Scripture never imagined. Is it a good and healthy thing for kids to have cell phones? or cell phones at certain times. It's not, there's no direct answer in scripture for that question. Or perhaps, what about genetics? Is it okay to do some kind of genetic engineering? Or to make sure that you have a child that doesn't have some sort of genetic disease? There aren't direct answers in scripture for these difficult questions. But it does guide us in how to live and in what to hold as our central values, the things that we can keep as our, kind of our compass to help direct us. So what is it that scripture does teach us? What are these lessons that are so valuable? Well, there are many, many things that we could talk about. I do think that there are a few that come up over and over in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Story after story, book after book. One of them is that God loves us. 
And this is attested to in so many ways. We're also asked to be faithful to God. And there are many stories in the Old Testament that talk about the importance of being faithful to God and how to do that, as well as in the New Testament. We're called to love God and worship God. And we talked about an example from Deuteronomy and an example from Matthew that both say that. Powerful, important message. And we're called to love our neighbor. And there are many scriptures that attest to this as well. One of the ones that I really like is from Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you? But to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. I think that also summarizes many passages in scripture. So where's the good news in all this? Well, the good news is that we can pick up our Bible, and even if it was something written so many thousand years ago, there are messages in it that are useful for us today. And it's good news that we're not left on our own to figure out how to live and relate to one another and to God. We do have a guidebook. Even if that guidebook is not specific about every situation, it does have so very much to teach us. And not the least of these lessons is that we are beloved creations of God, no matter what our level of understanding is. Thanks be to God for Scripture. Thanks be to God for this beautiful, unconditional love. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.